Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Train Happy Podcast. My name is Tally Rye and this week I'm joined by the self-acclaimed Auntie Gillian Michaels. I'm joined by Mallory Burgess. You might know her as the jock scientist online, primarily on TikTok and on Instagram. Mallory is an exercise physiologist and trainer based in the US and when I saw that Auntie Gillian Michaels in her profile I was like yes I get it I get exactly what that means and so today's episode is kind of dedicated to discussing Gillian Michaels approach to exercise to fitness and health and how that has really impacted and shaped the fitness industry for the 20 you know for the 2000s for the 2010s and how you know that has then influenced a lot of the way we relate to exercise and our bodies too I really think you're going to enjoy this episode, but before we get into it, I need to remind you, you can pre-order the Train Happy Journal now. It is set to be released in the UK on December 2nd, and you can also do an international pre-order through the link in the show notes. That means your uh, journal will also arrive by December 2nd. So in time for Christmas, you know, as a gift to yourself or a gift to someone who you think could really use uh, the intuitive movement and the 30 day challenge in there. That's really about helping you have the tools, the questions, the prompts to unpack your relationship with exercise and rebuild yourself a positive relationship with moving your body. And if you're in the US, you can pre-order the journal now, but the journal comes out on January 11th. So once again, if you're wanting to start your January, start your 2022 in, you know, with a fresh approach to movement, with a fresh approach to exercise, this journal is going to be your best friend. So all of the links to pre-order are in the show notes. You can find all the information there. Also in the show notes, you will find the link to our Greece 2022 train happy retreat we still have a few spaces left and it is gonna be epic we're going to be in the mo- in the most beautiful villa in the town Chennaiya on the island of Crete overlooking crystal blue waters and all the pictures on the website are of the villa the views the rooms so you can really see where we're going to be and it's gonna be five nights of just self-care with like-minded people who want to learn more about intuitive movement who want to really have those deeper conversations about healing your relationship with fitness and food and building positive you know body image resilience and so I can't wait because it's been so long since we've been able to go abroad with the train happy retreats and I think it's going to be so so special when we can all be together in the sunshine again so all the information of you know for that is in the show notes too now this week we don't have a train happy trooper team 
And that means I need to do a big shout out and a call out to say, please send in your train happy moments to share with the listeners. We want to hear your train happy moments. Have you had a light bulb moment recently around your relationship with exercise? Have you had a win against diet culture? Have you challenged an old thought or behavior? We want to hear from you. The easiest way to do it is to direct message us on Instagram at train happy podcast. And you can email us trainhappypodcast at gmail.com too. All the information for that is in our bio, but we would love, love, love to hear from you. Okay, team, enough from me. Let's get into this week's conversation all about Gillian Michaels. Mallory, welcome to the Train Happy Podcast. I'm so glad we could connect. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. Um, very excited to chat about training happy. Training happy, and we're going to go in depth a bit on Jillian Michaels, which is how I first discovered you. So, context for everyone listening. Um, Mallory has an epic TikTok account. It's called The Jock Scientist. Mm-hmm. I want to send, I mean, if you carry on listening to the podcast, but go check it out whilst listening. And, um, there you kind of challenge myths about fitness, challenge Definitely. diet culture, all those things. But one of my favorite things you do is like a good old deep dive. Um, before we get into your deep dive on Jillian Michaels, I'd love to know the story behind the jock scientist and how that account came to be and how you came to be doing what you're doing now. Sure, so uh, I'll walk you through kind of the steps there. Um, my history personally is that I grew up the fat kid. Like I was the fat girl in school, spent a lot of time being, you know, the victim of fat phobia and all of the weight stigma that comes around it. Every horror story possible happened to me. Um, and then when I hit about my twenties, I started to lose weight and unfortunately became a victim of the opposite side of what happens with that is All of your worries come true of like, wow, people really were treating me poorly because I was larger and I'm going to keep trying to make my body smaller no matter what. And at any means necessary type of weight loss is what I call it. And um, it did lead me, one positive was that it led me to pursue my degree in kinesiology because unfortunately my approach at that time was I want to help other people like me. I want to help people lose weight. I want to get them to where I am because I'm the after I'm the dream story Uh, to the point that I was on the today show. (laughs) Like I was a national, yeah, like I had a national interview about it on the today show. Um, You can still find the really embarrassing clip of me. (laughs) I wish I found that in my research. That would have been so interesting. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's a very funny short little clip. It's so TV. Like they put me on a broken bike that didn't like, that barely worked and told me to like ride out on the studio. And I was like, I don't ride bikes. Like it's not a thing that I do, but they were like, well, we have it. So you're going to do that. And then you're going to go do this like 20 second interview. Uh, and then that's going to be it. And it was just a fascinating experience. But um, so it really was like the embodiment of the after. Mm. So I went, pursued this degree and started working. Um, and my career has taken a couple of different paths with 
uh, health and wellness. I started in a fitness facility, the YMCA, and worked there for a number of years. Um, I've coached, and then I started in physical therapy for a couple of years. And that's when I started to see fitness being used in different capacity, right? You're helping people rehab and they have different abilities at that point. And then my current position is a public health role with older adults and disabled adults. Very different picture there too of like, okay, exercise is not for this one sole goal of weight loss that serves so many other purposes. And then I started to internalize that of like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, this is not joyful for me. And a, a big part of that too was I got pregnant. I couldn't do what I was doing anymore. Um, I had to consider this other body that was inside of me. And so I had to nourish them. And when that ended, right, I gave birth. It started to really reflect on both my professional career and also how I'm feeling. Like, I felt so much better when I was just eating away in a way that was nourishing. And when I was like moving in a way that was happy or helping to relieve stress or helping to relieve aches and pains. And it all kind of exploded into, oh my gosh, like that light bulb moment of how did I not connect growing up in this body that was just tormented, right? In every aspect. And then I turned into that torment and then I unlearned all of it. And I was like, I have so much power. <laughs> I have all of this like personal experience, ex uh, professional experience and like lived experience and all of these things that came together to be like, I don't think there's a lot of people talking about what I'm talking about with the support of like a degree and certifications and all of these things that give me that give me a dog in that fight. So it kind of just all happened with the help of quarantine and being stuck inside and being like, well, I guess I'll download TikTok and see what this is about. And then my friends were like, I think your stuff, because I started on Instagram and it was like really tiny, like no big deal. And they were like, I think you would do really well over there. So I started making content over there and then just boom, exploded. Like it just resonated with so many people because I think a lot of people are coming out of quarantine, tired of dieting, tired of exercising in a way that is just miserable. And it has just rung so many bells that it has been a really cool experience for me. Yeah, I definitely agree that people are coming on out the other side of embarking in and especially on TikTok because I think it does skew a little bit younger mm -hmm. um that there are a lot of people who were getting seriously into exercise for the first time and it's easy to find very disordered content on TikTok I don't know if you found that as well but I oh, come yeah. across it and I'm like it is not my place to say that like this is an eating disorder but I mm -hmm. you know I don't know what to do but it's you just see it there and then and uh I think there are a lot of people who will have naively followed that information and I know that I would have probably done the same thing you know back oh, yeah. 10 years ago when I was first getting into fitness and it was COVID I would have done exactly what you know a lot of other young girls are doing and so to have someone with your voice and who puts it together so well as you do on there I think is so vital right now and you're oh, right you. Actually, so many people who need to hear a different take on stuff and different perspective and I really appreciate your 
journey of like you say being in a larger body losing the weight and then being that person who is like well if I can do it you can do it too and I really that really resonates with me um because I was I mean to be fair I was probably in a body about the size I was now but growing up that felt like a bit a, a larger mm-hmm. body but objectively wasn't and I know I know that now and then did lose a ton of weight and similarly was so became a personal trainer to to essentially save other people oh yeah and I think this is such a common journey for people in the fitness field to to go on and I also think a lot of people get stuck in that savior complex and don't progress on (laughs) and then they stay there (laughs) and then that's the industry and then you get people like Jillian Michaels who build their career off of supposedly having the same story of like well I did it you can do it too just follow my steps look like me um you know all of that exactly um and so what was, were there any key light bulb moments? I suppose working with different populations is one of the greatest ways of seeing how mm-hmm. exercise is not just all about what you look like in the mirror and how much um, you weigh on the scales, but were there any other big light bulb moments when you discovered like anti-diet fitness and it really just resonated with you or were, were there any key people or books or anything you kind of discovered on that journey? Um, a book that I recommend to every last person who is like on the fence with this is fearing the black body. Yes. Because it dives into this rich, horrifying history about body manipulation and like all these systemic factors that go into how we view our body. And it is just, it has been so instrumental in shaping my thoughts and feelings about our obsession with body size. Um, so that is one that I always, always, always point people to. And then, like you said, like a huge one for me personally was especially working with older adults and seniors because they just don't have that approach to exercise. Like it's, I mean, you'll see it because we're all kind of ingrained into diet culture and they'll say like, ah, you know, I wish I could get rid of these wings, but you know, I'm 70, so it doesn't matter. And I'm like, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> like are you 70 still worrying about this? But like for the most part, their approach to exercise is a lot of what I talk about of, you know, maintaining body function, keeping your strength, um, decreasing pain and stiffness. And especially when you get into more of the special population, older adults, like I work very closely with um, people who have Parkinson's or post-stroke or uh, post-cancer. For them, exercise is is medicine. Like it is a tool that is used specifically to help their body. And then I was like, well, this could be applied to everybody. Like this is not just something that is for people who are not well or need specific like prescriptions but this works for literally anybody at any stage in life it is so great to have that perspective and sadly that is not just as glamorous and sexy and profitable (laughs) as saying you could look better in a bikini on your holiday like that's what people are going to strive for and yet yeah we appreciate it more as we get older the idea of being able to move more have that independence in yourself yes. that physical independence I think is really important and doesn't get spoken about enough um but let's 
get on to Jillian Michaels. So Let's. you describe yourself, which is one of the things I loved, was you describe yourself as the anti-Jillian Michaels. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it particularly about Jillian that just really gets you going? Her attitude. Like, just the way she presents herself and, like, postures as a bully of, like, you could, I can, I know it's like internalized for her, like, mm-hmm. especially knowing that she was in a bigger body for a number of years and then lost weight and made this her career. It is like, she's got this big chip on her shoulder now and then just directs all of that anger at people who she deems not in shape or fat or uh, like unworthy of that, of living. Like, <laughs> It, it makes me so angry to see how she behaves on like all of her platforms. Cause she continues to do this on like her Instagram page, which has over a million followers. And like, it upsets me to the core because I'm like, you are doing nothing to make people actually like exercise. And if you are calling yourself a fitness professional, I wholeheartedly believe it's your job to make people like it and not think that you just have to push through the hate to get to liking it. Mm, And push through the pain. So for context, Gillian kind of rose to fame through the TV show, The Biggest Loser, um, Mm -hmm. and was one of the main trainers on there and became famous for her, like you say, that this bullying persona and this like tough guy persona where she would shout at people you know unless you're sick I think it's like le- unless you're fainting puking or dying like do not get off the treadmill it's essentially yes. her so it was like unless you're physically dying you're not allowed to stop um and I know when you were looking at the biggest loser in particular there are moments there where people have fractured hips there are people yeah. who um you know in doing a bit of research for this as well, hearing about people having to go to the hospital, literally fainting. Yes. Um, people in tears, exercising through tears because they're they're so exhausted and being told that they are not allowed to quit. Um, you're right. There is that chip on the shoulder, isn't there? There is that, like, why, why was that the narrative we wanted to send out about fitness? I don't understand the whole idea that it was like, it was very much the epitome of no pain, no gain. That totally, totally. She, and and it was like people latched onto it in the early 2000s when this was, you know, got as big as it did, the biggest loser. And it's like her brand now of you must abide by me, personal trainer me, and I don't care how you feel, you're going to do what I tell you to do. And it is just like, it's abusive. It, I, I, and I don't want to use that word lightly because it's not in any of my teachings and also education, background, like nobody tells you to do that. Like Nobody, no certifying organization, no university, none of them are going to be like, listen, when your client is telling you that they're in pain or if their knee hurts or their hip hurts, you need to tell them to just suck it up and go through. That is totally a her decision. And certainly there's, she's not the first person to really capitalize on this. Like the military does it too, of like boot camp style of being in people's faces and put, making that like building grit. And it's just like, 
not, this is not a sustainable way of exercising. It's just not like, I'm not in 75 year olds faces screaming at them to do more. It's <laughs> just not a thing that's sustainable or healthy. Or necessary. And right. I think this goes to, I think this shows um, a real influence that Gillian has had in the industry as well, because even in 2021, when I asked people, why, what makes you scared of going to classes? What makes you scared of approaching a trainer? What makes you feel, you know, you know, what experiences have you had in that environment? And people will tell me that they've had experiences when the trainer shouts at them, singles them out in an environment and tells Mm -hmm. them they're doing wrong or that they need to work harder and that they're not allowed to rest. And I think the generation that grew up seeing people like Gillian on TV, and I would say myself included, very much took on this idea that I am the authority and it's I'm in charge and you have to do what I tell you to do and that it's not a relationship, it's a dictatorship in a sense. Totally. And I, and I think that, you know, The Biggest Loser is the example of that. It's saying to people you can't be trusted. You don't know what you're doing with your body. You don't even know your body. Mm -hmm. I do because I have a personal training qualification, which I don't know what it's like in the US, but it's not that hard to get a personal training qualification here in the UK. No, it's not here either. And you do not have to, um, you know, have, uh, and there's a lot of blurred lines with giving nutrition information and all that kind of stuff, which we will definitely get into. Um, But I think as trainers, there's been this trend of really bigging ourselves up as, you know, the authority on things when what I'm trying to do, and I I feel what you're trying to do is actually trying to do the opposite of that and empower people to realize that actually you can trust yourself. You should listen to your body. You know best. I can help you, but if we work together rather than, you know, me trying to tell you what to do all the time which is what that whole brand of fitness was yeah absolutely like I a thing that I tell my clients all the time is you know your body better than me and I am I want to work together to make you trust your body again because I think that that style breaks down trust so much with your body of like because it happens with dieting too of you learn to not trust your body's very natural hunger and rest cues. <laughs> and it's like, it creates this just horrible, it feels like this cycle of activity and deconditioning and reconditioning and deconditioning because they get tired, right? That style is very exhausting. And then they don't want to exercise anymore because they're tired of being yelled at. And then they get, they, then they feel guilt that they're not exercising anymore because a lot of those same fitness professionals will say things like, just get to the gym, just get to the gym. What are you doing? And then they're like, right. And so they're like, all right, I got to get going again. And then it's just constantly in that loop of feeling bad and exercise. But then you're told exercise is supposed to make you feel good. And you're like, where is it? Yeah. How is it going to make me feel good to have someone yelling at me whilst I cry in pain for an hour? I'm sorry, where's the appeal there? I don't see any appeal. And I think this is one of the big barriers to people engaging in exercise today because of the precedent that set, you know, Mm -hmm. 15 years ago. Um, What was one of the, the more kind of shocking moments that you found 
on Bigger Sleeves? Or were there any other standout bits where you were like, hang on a second? <laughs> um, there was this uh, controversy that happened in an earlier season that several people brought up in my comments. Uh, and I didn't mention it, but there was a point at which Jillian Michaels gave her team caffeine pills. Yes. <laughs> um, it was not disclosed. It was a huge thing. I There's been hearsay allegedly that it wasn't caffeine pills. It was something even more sinister, but I don't want to throw that out because I know there's no backing. The show said caffeine pills. Like this was something that aired. So I will stick with the aired story. <laughs> but they said that she um, gave her contestants, her team, caffeine pills to uh, essentially cheat the scale. And it is just so unethical. Um, at first, it's unethical. It's unsafe. It is unhealthy. And it is so damaging because that show emphasized the scale number over anything mm -hmm. else. Because they never talked about how you have these people exercising for six to eight hours a day, which is also horrifying. Because they're like, that's a manual labor job. <laughs> and then you're not eating yeah when you um, hear i don't like to talk about calories in general on this show but to, for yeah. context they're eating what if you're lucky you're eating what a toddler would eat in a day yeah a hundred percent like the that's what the large men would get and these men would be like huge and then they're exercising six to eight hours a day there's never conversation of like body composition change and how that's going to impact the scale, but then also just this overemphasis on those scale numbers and getting it as like dramatic as possible to the point that this coach who you're supposed to be like trust in a trusted relationship with is like, Hey, how about we take these caffeine pills to really like boost our numbers this week? Just, Oh my God. <laughs> and then it went on for like 20 more seasons. And major red flag when your trainer tries to give you any sort of nutrition advice like that, because for the vast majority of people working in fitness, it is out of their scope of practice. A hundred percent. Way outside if the lines. They are not, no personal trainer certification comes with that. You have to seek it separately. Um, uh, so that's why even on my like TikToks and stuff, I'm always like, this is not my, I try to push it away when it comes up. Mm -hmm. or just like, this is my personal experience because it's not my expertise. It is a massive field that requires a ton of schooling to be an expert on. So if your personal trainer is in the gym trying to meal prep for you, run, like get yeah. away. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, The other thing I wanted to talk about with Jillian off the back of The Biggest Loser, she got her own show, mm -hmm. which I think is losing it with Jillian. Do you yeah. want to explain that show and the kind of premise of it and what it entailed? I would love to. So Jillian got her own spinoff show, uh, Losing It with Jillian. That was only one season, thankfully. But it was more of that style of reality show where they would send an expert into your life to fix your life. <laughs> Big quotes around it. Um, and each episode felt like it was more horrifying than the last <laughs> Because it was like, and I see this a lot on reality television at large, but especially when we're talking about these like makeover type shows, is when they dive into the history 
of somebody, the person, the contestant. There's like, da da da, you know, I gained this many weight, blah, blah, blah. and then they'll just all of a sudden drop this massive trauma bond, uh, bomb. Like, oh, and also I had a miscarriage, by the way, <laughs> or I just went through a divorce, or I'm a widow, or like, it, it horrifies me every time, and I have encountered it. I know that reality television is guilty of doing that regardless of the background because they think it makes good television, but it astounds me in this context because Jillian Michaels is a personal trainer. Like She has a certification to teach fitness, and they are sending her into this household of a family who you know, like they're really playing up that all the family is fat. They've all gained all this weight, yada, yada. Oh, and by the way, they had a baby that died as a newborn. Just like, well, oh. <laughs> just that little, little fact in there. And each episode was like that. Then the next one was like this woman who is a widow because her husband died of a heart attack, like three years prior to Jillian showing up. And it's so like grief and trauma going on there. Yeah. hugely and they don't address it they're like no 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 no. let's just talk about your exercise <laughs> let's just do a workout because that will solve everything horrifying like it blew me away that this even had a season but we were just we culturally were so enamored with this woman and the style that she takes on shows that it's just like they thought it would be a thing they were like she's gonna go in and she's gonna make america healthy you know yeah, and completely solve all of their issues. And I think this is another gripe I have with the fitness industry as a whole, but we can kind of see, we can trace it back here, I think, to like this TV show or just the fact that these things were getting, you know, airtime is that you think exercise is a cure-all for like mm. deep trauma and just so many things in life. Oh, if you just work out, like you don't need to go to therapy, just do some lunges. Uh-huh. It, I, it is one of my biggest complaints with the fitness industry because there's some truth in it. Like, yes, exercise can totally help with mental health symptoms. And there's tons of research to back that up. But it feels like the fitness industry took that fact of help with and just ran with it. They were like, it's going to fix it. And you're like, oh, it's just supposed to be like... In, a use of with everything else that comes around with it, you know, therapy, medication, and like actual self-care and also exercise. But they're like, no, 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 just come into our gym and you will, you'll feel better. Yeah. It's a tool in the box. It is not the, the salve, the, the, the one thing that it's being pitched to be. And unfortunately it seems that this show just, completely perpetuated that and I also think going back to that whole idea of your personal trainer being a kind of know-it-all person mm -hmm. it kind of breeds this idea that your personal trainer is your is your therapist and I've had friends who've worked in industry and have gone yeah you know like I'm not just a trainer I'm their confidant I'm their life coach I'm their therapist I'm you know whatever else they need you to be and I think once again that then creates an industry with people not able to support people in the way that they deserve and giving um you know not giving them the the correct support and and speak you know allowing them to contact and have the right people around them whether that is you know not 
saying, oh, I can do you a meal plan and not speaking to a dietitian, whether that's going, oh, tell me about your um, past traumas that you are not equipped to kind of hold that space. No. Um, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have, with my time working in fitness, this is really common. And once again, we take, we try to wear way too many hats. Absolutely. And because I have worked in like public health and clinical settings, you know, it, it happens a lot in like medical settings too, because people feel comfortable, right? When, because our body is so personal. And I think this is why you see it with personal trainers too, is our body is a really personal thing. So it makes sense that your clients would feel that connection with you because you are working closely with them and they feel comfortable with you. But as the professional, it is our job to know the place of, I will listen and say like, wow, that sounds really hard, but not try to go into like, have you considered this, that, or the other thing? Like, that's not, no, like you have to know how to draw those lines. And I feel like way too many people working in like fitness facilities don't know how to draw those lines of, you know, at the worst mental health, but even at like a level of recommending food things is like, Mm -hmm. people will ask you, I get asked all the time. And I always say, you know, I can give you really basic information that you could literally Google yourself. uh, But I've got to recommend that you look for a registered dietitian or a master nutritionist or somebody who knows way more than I do, because that's what you should be doing. You should be outsourcing people to the right places. Yes. And I always encourage trainers to have those people almost on speed dial. Yes. <laughs> find, find your people you want to, you know, find the physio you want to send your clients to, find the therapist, find the dietitian and have those in your arsenal so that when people do ask you, you go, okay, well, I can refer you on. Um, but I, you know, it's not my role. And as a good business move, then those people will then refer you people. So it's a win-win, I think. Exactly. It's like, we're all kind of working together. There's no reason to not build those relationships professionally because you're just going to make your client better off as a result. I completely agree. So Jillian then goes on to release 20 DVDs. Yeah, she's got a lot. 20 DVDs. (laughs) And it says she sold over 100 million copies worldwide. Which they is very popular. Yeah. I have done them. I haven't bought them. I was a poor student and I would illegally find them online, but I yeah. have done them. <laughs> I think I did six week to six pack and I've done the 30 day shred in my bedroom. I have also done the 30 day shred. I have. Yeah. Um, why do you think, well, I've got my theories as to why I think they were successful, but what are your kind of thoughts on, on the DVDs? I... I mean, it was, I feel like in the early 2000s, especially, there was this like massive surge of fitness, DVD, fitness, like gaming. Also, it was like this new technology to tap into. And it like coincided with the popularity of Biggest Loser. And Jillian was like the perfect person for that because you have this trainer that is nationally just a national celebrity like she was Mm. she still is in a lot of ways and her face on it and her the way that she teaches I think it feeds into a lot of the self-loathing that people feel around their bodies and their exercise routines and they think 
well, look at how she is getting all these people on Biggest Loser to lose weight and get fit and look great. And like, I can do that too. And now I can do it at home. And it was just the perfecting, perfect marketing, like tornado for all of that to come out and for all of it to come out, like one right after the other. Cause that was about the same time that like the whole P90X stuff was coming yeah. out too. Um, and it was just wildly popular. And I didn't even know this, but there's also like a biggest loser game. Um, I think it was on the Wii like the Nintendo Wii. I hear a lot of stories of people who are like a little bit younger than me. Like I'm 31 now. So I think people who are more like 20s, early 20s and grew up on Wii Fit yeah. are pretty traumatized from Wii it's Fit. horrible. BMI and just generally, you know, getting them to play games like The Biggest Loser. That yeah, game that was... children should be playing. I didn't know that there was a Biggest Loser video game. That was something that commenters told me about. And then I looked into it and it was like you could pick Bob or Jill as your trainer and then it would put them through exercises. And I guess that they, uh, Bob and Jill had like pre-recorded things that they would say. And somebody was like, I always picked Bob because he was nicer, even on the video game. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, so it was like, that was so popular in the early 2000s, just like, DVD, fitness gaming, uh, and especially like really intense exercise was just so big in that era. My thoughts on it as well are that Jillian is always, and even now I was watching like one of her workout videos from her app, they're like on YouTube. And even now Mm -hmm. she kind of still dresses the same, like the way she, the, the clothes she wears are still the style she would wear in like 2008 she's still Mm -hmm. wearing low rise (laughs) leggings and yeah 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 like what shows off her body the best in her opinion which is whatever and you know that now everyone wears high-waisted stuff like that's the trend it's just interesting no you're so right that's so funny I never picked up on it but you're totally right um and so there's a couple of thoughts I have about that firstly obviously she knows that people want her body And she knows that she can Mm. market that as one of the key tools. So there's a reason why she has her abs out on the cover of every DVD. Because Mm -hmm. not only is the DVD usually called, like, I did six weeks to six pack. Because I thought, oh, I will look like Jillian afterwards. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to look like. Um, And then... There, you know, I mean, I couldn't tell you half of what they were called. There's t- over 20 of them, but <laughs> you know, there it was so loaded with this is the visual that you will get to, and even the other people chosen were clearly all kind of like fitness models slash trainers who were mm-hmm. incredibly fit people who were capable of doing a lot of things that even beginner versions, when are not actually very beginner friendly. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, I definitely picked up on that. <laughs> um, and I do think it's very much ties into the whole, you know, exercises to change the way you look and you could look like me. And and Jillian very much capitalizes on train like me, look like me, do what I say, look like me. And that's very much her whole bag. Do you feel that as well? Absolutely. And it's especially that I know like she considers herself to be like a former fat person. Mm. I think so much of her style and her marketing is just projection of like, 
look at how great I look now and you can get here too. I think that's so true. Um, especially if you like go through her current social media pages. Do you know, that's the one thing I didn't do. I was too busy on everything else. And I'm like, <laughs> like, will I just get enraged? Will I just get enraged? Probably. It's yeah. all the same stuff. Like it's, it's, it's I mean, she was like, flicked off of tiktok really fast <laughs> i did see that i did she came on what was it what was her thing it was like when people tell me that calorie counting no calorie deficits don't work or something like that yes and tiktok was just like no <laughs> they just stopped out that flame it was so funny because i i hadn't planned on like personally like duetting or stitching Jillian but so many people were tagging me in them that I was like I feel like I have to so I did and it was tiny and then like within hours that account was just like videos were going down like people were reporting it I think she is up like up to like almost no content on TikTok so (laughs) and I don't know if it is just like because so many people are reporting it and it's just getting removed or if her team has been like, uh, I think we need to, this isn't the platform for us. Cause people just Gen Z, because they are more drawn to this app, they are so over diet culture stuff. Mm-hmm. And it is the coolest thing to see because they are just like, no, but on Instagram, it's a different story yeah. for Jillian. Yeah. Because she can reach a, that older audience who've grown with her and who yes. you know, followed her from 2005 whenever she started on The Biggest Loser. And I think this, for me, speaks to Gillian trying to stay relevant as yeah. we get towards the like latter 2010s into early 2020s. And that has been more noticeable in her video. She kind of like likes to give provocative comments and say mm-hmm. things and try to pick on Lizzo which that was the worst idea she's Lizzo. ever had <laughs> yeah she went for Lizzo um do you want to chat about this video and why she was so off the mark oh yeah so it was an interview that Jillian had and I I think the context was her daughter really likes Lizzo um because she does have a 10 year old adopted daughter and they kind of like took it and ran because Lizzo is a black fat woman. So we feel like we can do things like talk about their body. And Jillian was like, why do we need to do that? Why do we need to talk about her body instead of her music? And if she had just stopped there, we would have been like, wow, redemption arc girl. This is great. But then she carried on and said, it's not going to be great when she gets diabetes. And everybody was like, okay, because Lizzo is treasured. Like, I don't feel like, like, you know, like she's treasured in so many aspects and she's so needed. I think she reflects a lot of like the social change that has happened and that she is massively talented and like an amazing performer. And there's all these things. And for someone like Jillian Michaels, who was like, already kind of hanging on by a thread with us because I think everybody was starting to get tired of it in a lot of ways for her to then step out and speak about this uh, person who's so beloved. Like (laughs) it was just like, nah, no, get out of here. Jillian Michaels. What are you doing? Like big mistake. Yeah. Her publicist was no doubt scrambling (laughs) (laughs) on the phones immediately. 
You went after a national treasure. What are you doing? Yeah, horrible idea. And it goes a lot to, I think we'd we'd put Jillian down like as a health concern troll. Yes. He loves, loves, loves to assume things about people based on their body size. And Mm -hmm. it seems doesn't really ask any, you know, any further questions. Um, and in preparation for this episode, I was listening to the Maintenance Phase podcast, which mm-hmm. everyone should listen to because it's fab. And they did a deep dive on The Biggest Loser specifically. And they were talking about in that episode, I don't know if you've listened, how a lot of the contestants there were very specifically chosen as well to depict this, um, were people who had a very difficult relationship with food and exercise mm. in their body and they didn't and were trying to blame everything on the show was trying to portray them as it was all like their body size and it was them and they're so out of control and they can't do xyz and really that really misrepresented people in larger bodies full stop that it didn't just show that some people just exist in a larger body and it is what it is there was none of that in there and so I think maybe through that experience as well Jillian just has this view of people in larger bodies that that very that huge stereotype and she really holds that stereotype um and then makes these assumptions about people so when it comes to Lizzo like she probably has no idea what Lizzo does. Like she's probably never seen even Lizzo perform or whatever. And, and to be honest, Lizzo shouldn't have to be doing energetic performances for people to give her respect full stop. Like, right. we, shouldn't ha- we shouldn't have to justify anything. But just you just know that she just saw, oh, she's a larger woman. Great. Well, I, I, know, I know her whole health history now. I know everything, you know? Yeah, I'm just going to make this massive assumption and then talk, then let's speak sideways and not even consider like it feels like Jillian has made no effort to go deeper into her feelings about body size. Mm. Like she is just really trapped in that idea of I can tell everything about your health picture from the outside. Yes. And I'm just going to stay there. Yes. And so, yeah, People like seeing society evolve and seeing people like Lizzo come to prominence and get the flowers she most definitely deserves is very triggering for her. And I think very threatens the threatens this whole kind of empire she has built around making people believe that they're not good enough until they're smaller, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. Like seeing famous fat women or people who are it's not even just that they're just fat it is that they are like yeah and like that is for people like Jillian that is just like I'm sweaty you know like they just can't deal with that because if if Lizzo you know if we have especially with women I, I feel as well that like if we had a ton of people who were able to, you know, accept themselves as they were, it would put a lot of people out of business. And that includes Jillian Michaels. Yes. She relies on you hating yourself. She absolutely relies on you um, hating your body, loathing your appearance and wishing you looked like her. Definitely. That's like the whole 
diet industry and beauty industry. They are founded on those things. Yeah. And I think Jillian, and I think the reason it was important to do this episode on Jillian Michaels specifically, because she does epitomize all of those things. She, she's kind of, especially in the the 2010s, like, you know, 2020s, she has spearheaded diet culture and fitness, in my opinion. Oh yeah. Especially how it looks. Cause like the nineties had its own look to it, right? It was all like low fat and jazzercise and like that's what it looked like then and then like early 2000s hit and it is like it's why I call myself the anti-Jillian Michaels because I think people know exactly what that means immediately Mm. because it is like Jillian has this picture to her that is like the glistening abs the like 40 minute super high intensity workout that is just gonna leave you like so sore the next day so tired and sweaty at the end of it and that you're going to need to be bullied through it to even manage to finish it. That was so much of like the early 2000s treatment of like exercise, but also like diet and fat people in general. I completely, completely agree. And then more recently, Lizzo, um, Lizzo, more recently, Jillian, um, how dare I confuse the two, tried to, <laughs> <laughs> tried to criticize intuitive eating, which I found really interesting. Oh this was another big one that sort of went around. I, in my poor research, haven't watched the video, partly because I just knew it would infuriate me beyond yeah. belief. But my understanding is that she, I think I did see it. I think I have seen, I've seen clips. And my understanding is that she clearly doesn't actually know what intuitive eating is which is the most hilarious part she just knows that it's a threat to her brand and therefore will speak about something that she doesn't hasn't actually researched properly not jillian (laughs) (laughs) she wouldn't do that yeah i think she she has this really misunderstanding of what intuitive eating is because i have noticed many practitioners of it do a lot of work to undo some of that which is this idea that intuitive eating just means that you're gonna like binge eat and it is like, no, that is what people do in the restrictive diet. Like when you are constantly restricting, then those binge behaviors come out. When you intuitive eat, you're, t- you're building trust in your body again. And Jillian has that just super underbaked understanding of it. So she thinks intuitive eating means that you have no discipline and it means that you are going to binge on everything and it's like Jillian here you are projecting again (laughs) because you don't intuitive eat because you don't listen to your body you have these assumptions that when you start doing it you will be out of control girlfriend that is a red flag like (laughs) huge red flag (laughs) like that is you know what I mean and because she also spoke out against uh being vegan at some point too and how it was because it caught more controversy it was like Mm -hmm. she's speaking about how that is not a healthy way to eat and that you can't get the proper amounts of protein for your body and blah 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 and it was just like why why are you doing this (laughs) like do you think she says these things to criticize them because she disagrees with them or do you think she says them because she is saying it as a way to stay relevant I do think relevant like this desire to stay relevant because she realizes that things are changing and her brand is not there like I think that's a lot of it is as well I think it's a huge part of it and I think another thing is like stuff like national interviews that she is still getting on like NBC and CNN and whatnot um I think they still lean on her as like this pillar of 
genius when it comes to like health and fitness and wellness and they haven't <laughs> they haven't like shifted to a better person yet so they still go back to her um because a lot of our ideas around health and fitness like I like to think that the way that you and I approach it is the standard, but it's not like, it's just, it's not, I wish it was, I hope that it will get there one day. Um, but because it's not, they still go to people like Jillian who was, who was famous and still like resonates with people who would watch something like a today show at interview. And they have these, so they have her in the seat, right? Because they're like, well, she's the fitness person still. And then they have these topics that come up like intuitive eating or vegan eating or um, joyful movement. Lord, I don't think she's talked about that yet, but I'm sure that that's coming. And how you enjoy what you're doing. You should be screaming and crying and, you know, you should be in pain. If if you're enjoying it, then you're not working hard enough. I can hear it now. I just know what it's going to be. Yeah, it's a joyful movement. That sounds like it's for blah, blah, blah. And I know it's coming. So I think it's like a little bit of her really trying to stay relevant because her brand is not, it is not going to be. Like it is in its last, last gasp. Um, But then also like, our kind of televised national like interviews and whatnot haven't quite advanced to that yet either. So they're both kind of like stuck in this wheel of you probably have interns who are coming in and being like, Oh, we should get, we should talk about something like intuitive eating. I think that'd be really great. And then you have the interviewer ask Jillian Michaels, who's like one of the worst people to talk about intuitive eating. So it's just like a perfect storm. Yeah, that I mean, here, even in the UK, we have I suppose our prominent fitness person is Joe Wicks, who's called the Body Coach. I mean, it's it's an improvement on Jillian Michaels. Mm-hmm. Still, we got a long way to go because it's still essentially he promotes essentially just a diet. But there is talk of like exercise for your mental health and all those sorts of things, which I do think is a step in the right direction. But you have to find those people with that big fitness personality to kind of take on that, that genre, that, that category on these shows. And unfortunately, I think when it comes to fitness and exercise, like the biggest loser, even here in the UK, and I'm sure internationally beyond the US has been this, this health and fitness show Mm -hmm. that was simply a diet game. Like that's what it was. And it was a crazy extreme diet game at mm-hmm. best. Um, and yet we're still kind of associate that with our oh, health and fitness and wellness and lifestyle. And, you know, we need to progress beyond that. We need to kind of elevate the next, the next person we want. I, I hope it's coming. Like I, I sit there because it, it's so funny to me because it feels like, and I know it's coming because we're coming up on the beginning of the year. So we'll hear all about it again. And it is just like, it's funny to me as somebody who enjoys to critically think about stuff that I'm like, okay, we have talked about the same method <laughs> for how many years, how many times can you interview Jillian Michaels in January of a new year and ask her how to 
make those new year's resolutions happen. I feel like it's the same, like it's a groundhog day thing. And I'm like, no one has stepped back and been like, Hmm, (laughs) this does not actually seem to be working because we have the same discussion every January that is around new year's resolution and weight loss and changing your body. And it is just like, my hope is more and more people are waking up to be like, actually, no, that's not working. And it sounds like you're just trying to use this as a marketing ploy to get me to join a gym, pick up whatever diet is in, in, in vogue now. And like, just run with that for a few months before the marketing switches over to like summer bod or whatever. It's like always the same marketing every season. Mm -hmm. And it is wild to me that we just haven't had a collective wake up yet, but I feel like it's coming. I do feel like we're on the, the, the kind of, yeah, the cusp of, of some of a bigger change and yeah. I think you have to stay kind of positive with that I do know that's because I do live in my own little echo chamber I like right. it here I'll be honest um and then I like peek out and I'm like oh Jillian Michaels oh okay I'll just go back <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm good with the people I like to follow and listen to right. <laughs> um and with that being said what would you like the future of kind of fitness to look like? What What do you wish the industry looked like in five, 10 years time? I really hope the first big shift is just like body diversity, yes. right? Like you start to see a lot more bodies doing movement. Um, and that's one of the first things that I tell people who come to me and like, how can I change how I feel about, you know, fitness, exercise, whatever I say, go look at accounts of larger bodies performing fitness because it helps you to understand like, actually this is not as much of a limitation as I am fitness industry. Yes. Because this it's, yeah, it's a myth that the only, the thing that's standing in your way is your weight when really it's probably, and I, I'm going to pick up on a reframe that you did recently when you said, I don't like, it, the idea of being called out of shape you you prefer yeah. to say conditioned speak on that because that was fab yeah so the term in shape and it's not my favorite term because it I understand what people are trying to say when they say that but it comes loaded when I hear it because it sounds like you have to look a certain way to be considered fit and it is not what's going on you are simply deconditioned you have not you have not approached exercise in any type of way with consistency that would give you that conditioning, right? That feeling of being in shape or whatever that means to you. Um, I think associating shape is a weird out of date thing. And I know that it can sound a little formal to say conditioned or deconditioned, but I think it's so much clearer and what you mean of like, I don't actually want to change my body shape. I just want to feel stronger or faster or have more stamina or these things that exercise actually does improve on. I think that's an important language change that we as trainers can take on. I think I'm certainly going to start getting really specific. I, I do avoid, I don't use, um, you know, in shape, out of shape. I, I kind of have the same, um, averseness that you do but I love the deconditioned or conditioned thing so I'm going to take that on board for sure because I do think we need to get specific on that um and change that meaning because we we just need to constantly uncouple the idea that fitness is a look rather than 
a physical experience. <laughs> That's what right. frustrates me. It's like, it's, it doesn't look a certain way, um, you know, and it, I could digress and talk about when you talk about, wow, like, look at your muscles on your arms. I, I try to even stay away from that and be like, wow, you're so strong doing that thing. Because yeah. when we really talk about, you know, using that physicality, using that improvement to actually do something rather than to be looked at. Right, exactly. And I think being able to view different types of bodies performing fitness does a lot to help people who are almost stuck of the, in that place of like, I want to exercise, but I'm hesitant to do it because I feel like I have to look a certain way to even step into a fitness facility or step into a class. And I'm like, have you ever watched somebody who is larger do like dance, you know, mm -hmm. like just seek that out. It's all over on social media and it just helps tremendously. So I really hope that people start to see that moving forward. I hope that like, I know in personally, when I uh, was kind of in charge of a fitness facility, that was part of one of my jobs. I made it a goal while I was there to get instructors who had a variety of body types, because mm. I think that when you walk into a class and you see your instructor as larger or a person of color or, you know, maybe disabled or anything that's like that, it just changes so much of what you think about the fitness industry because so much of the fitness industry marketing is performance muscles sweat like and I'm like it's not all that I so agree with you and I yeah I work when I teach classes regular teach spin classes and mm -hmm. I know that I my my body my very mid-size body is considered probably like a bit different in that environment so many of totally. the other instructors look so much different than me and I've looked like those instructors at one point in my life and I know that I know the kind of way I look now which doesn't bother me but I do think it's and I hope it helps people in my class feel comfortable that where they may not wear a crop top in a class normally they're wearing one because that's actually most comfortable for a super sweaty thing like yeah I, I can't stand wearing layers when I'm sweating because I'm a <laughs> wetter I just need I need the least amount of washing possible um and I just noticed that people just feel more at ease in that environment and I think they know that I'm there's no judgment from me as well right. and, I, and I think that's part of it um because we have these assumptions about people in smaller bodies as well especially trainers we think they're all going to be expecting us to look a certain way and you know we hold I think we can hold a lot of assumptions about a fitness environment based on what someone looks like, whether they're in a smaller or larger body. And, you know, we've all got a lot of, I think, unlearning to do in that sense. Mm -hmm. And you're right, we do need to see people, um, you know, we do need to have instructors and trainers that do come in all shapes and sizes. I think that should be just a given. Um, and so it is, yeah, it is something that I have become more aware of more recently and being like, oh, I realized that maybe I'm not what people are expecting, which is mm -hmm. kind of ridiculous because I have a very, I don't like the word average, but kind of a very average <laughs> size. 
I totally feel the same. Like I, I, part of my position is teaching fitness classes and people walk into it, no matter where they are in life, people walk into those settings expecting the fitness person to look a specific way. Right. They expect Jillian Michaels that I'm there with my shredded abs, already sweaty somehow. My low cut leggings. (laughs) My low cut leggings, (laughs) which would be horrible to work out in. Um, Like that's what people expect. And I just, I want those expectations to go away because it's not true. Mm -hmm. I have met so many fitness professionals who fall outside of those lines that do go on to make people feel more comfortable in those environments. But I think part of that is going to be changing the marketing that a lot of these fitness industries put out. I yeah, thousand percent agree. So that leaves me, Mallory, with asking you then what has been your most recent train happy moment? Oh, um, you know, I decided a couple of it's probably months ago now. Time feels like it just goes faster and faster. Uh I bought myself a jump rope because I was like, you know, but I have I've been a runner for a long time. And uh, I messed up my foot. I have a stress fracture in my foot, which is like, if you don't know this, anybody, (laughs) that's basically a nail in the coffin on running. Um, It's very hard to get past the stress fracture. And so I have a bike and I was like, that's fine. I like that. But I was like, I miss, I miss doing foot stuff. So I got a jump rope and I was like, I want to see if this impacts my foot in the same way. Um, and it doesn't, it turns out I can go out and do short little bouts of jump rope, um, that I do outside for all of my neighbors to see. And I'm very bad at it, but I don't care because I like it. Good for <laughs> um, you. Yeah. And it's been very fun. It's like a fun little breakup. Cause I can like bring my kiddo out while we're out there too. And then they kind of play around while I'm doing it. And it's just, it taps into some like inner child healing as well. Mm-hmm. And it has been just really lovely, a, a fun little thing that's like in my, kind of arsenal of home gym equipment that I have slowly acquired over the past two years. That's a very cool change of pace for me. I love you mentioned the inner child stuff. And I know you have spoken before about thinking of exercise as playtime. Yes. And I'm so with you on that. I, I too always say like, you know, exercise, you know, exercise was essentially just children in a playground until we became adolescents and then into adulthood and it's become this chore that we all dread but really in its essence we could all just be running around playing and doing jump rope or whatever and just having a lovely time I I think it gets overthought so much that we don't just come back to actually what we really enjoyed as children I think it's fun to sit down with yourself and be like, what did I really like doing as a kid? And it certainly helped me to have a kid to think mm-hmm. in those terms because we're always going to the playground and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go play with them on the playground. It doesn't always work because I'm tall, but I <laughs> make it work. And it's a fun way to do movement, right? You still get those same kind of feelings that you get when you're exercising, but it's, it doesn't feel like it's work anymore. I just had this visualization of when you're at the playground and I don't know you have things called monkey bars oh yeah yeah and I was just thinking people made up a whole thing called CrossFit to have this (laughs) there's essentially the monkey bars in the playground like that's essentially what they are um 
And we've made it this whole thing and it has to be this exclusive gym and this thing and we pay a ton of money to use it. But really it's just an elaborate adult version of the monkey bus. Yeah, I think that there's a market out there for like adult-sized playgrounds. Yes, I'd be like, down to just, just put the equipment just needs to be a little bit bigger, maybe a little more sturdy. But like, I think that that could be a very fun concept for a lot of people. I don't know that it'll ever happen, but... I agree. My friend got a bouncy castle and I, I'm trying to think what the US name for that is. You know, like the big inflatable things that you jump on? Yeah, yeah. Bouncy castle. What do you call them? I think bouncy castle. Yeah, we get them got bouncy castle. And uh, she got it for her birthday. She was like 28 and or 29. And we all just had the best time ever. <laughs> and yeah, actually, it's super fun. It's so fun. It's exhausting. Exhausting. Mm-hmm could have forgot how hard jumping around was um and we all just had the best time ever on it and we were such big kids and I think it felt so good because it did feed into that inner child playful nature you're using your energy you're having fun you're with kind of your friends you're having that social aspect and you know in its essence that's what movement could be and and kind of should be we should kind of like hold that essence as we get older I think yeah, I think that, that the more people make space for that type of movement mm-hmm. in addition to, you know, more traditional forms of exercise, it having that balance for me of I'm going to just go move however I want, I'm just going to go play, I'm going to go jump rope, whatever it is, um, it makes it more fun overall. Like yeah. it helps you connect back into your body because when you do those fun things, like if you were to go to um, – like those trampoline places where you go in and you just bounce around and they have like foam pits and whatnot. Like they have adult hours on those yeah, they do. and you can just go in and jump around. It's exhausting. I you think it's probably... terrible. I went with a friend who's like a gymnast and she was doing like flips and tumbles. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and all I did was literally jump vertically up and down. And that was enough. Like I was scared. <laughs> so high. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. But that that's a great example. That is a really yeah, that is a perfect example of things people can do. Yeah. Um Mallory, where can people find you? Find your TikToks, obviously on TikTok, but where can people follow, support you and just hear more of your kind of deep dives and, and thoughts on fitness in general? So I am most active on TikTok where I am the jock scientist, all one word, uh, also available on Instagram. Those are really my two biggest platforms. So come find me, say hi. I try to interact with everybody as much as I can. Um, and I will be continuing more deep dives. Of, <laughs> uh, I'm going to be doing the swan. <laughs> uh, um I have lots of that series. So the series that The Biggest Loser is on is called Binging on Diet Culture. Uh, And it is, I have more episodes coming. I just finished, I mean, I did one last month, but I had someone send me uh, The Swan on DVD. So I had to buy a DVD player uh, and it has been a whole thing, but that one is coming. I don't know if you know that show. It is. Oh, no. Is this is this like a makeover show that's yeah all about being like ugly into a swan? Uh huh. That's that's the concept where it was like a competitive show where they underwent. They had a personal trainer, um, a plastic surgeon, mm-hmm. a uh, nutritionist, and a therapist. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a 
moral thing there. Like, <laughs> yes. Boundary. Mor- no morally gray, to say the least. Um, so that one's coming down the pike. Uh, so if you love those deep dives, I'm trying to do those monthly. So TikTok would be where to find those. I will be tuning in for sure. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been such a pleasure to chat, to chat with you. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. And that is it for this week's episode of the Train Happy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you took something away from this episode. And if you did, please let me know by sending feedback. You can find us on Instagram at Train Happy Podcast. Or even better, it would be amazing if you could rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you're listening, as it really, really helps to support and boost the Train Happy message. And remember... If you have had a recent moment where this stuff has just started clicking for you, then share your story with us via email, trainhappypodcast at gmail.com to become the train happy trooper of the week. And if you have a burning question you would like me to answer, then please send those in too. And it may be answered in our bonus Q&A episodes. Once again, thank you for listening and I will speak to you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.